You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily Penn State Nittany Lions podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello and welcome to Locked On Nittany Lions. I'm your host, Stephen Pianovich. <sighs> well, here we are. It is Monday, September. Nope, it is October 1st. Penn State is 4 and 1 after just a another another gut-wrenching one-point loss to Ohio State which is it's it's hard to swallow. It stings. It is it's tough. It is it is a game Penn State absolutely should have won and and there's no no really great way to look at it. It was a game that Penn State let absolutely slip through its fingers and is uh, probably going to pay the price in, in that they are probably not going to win the Big Ten East or the Big Ten or make the college football playoff in 2018. And it, it it's tough that a game in September matters that much, but... That's where it is, and Penn State was absolutely in a place to win that game and just let it go, just like 2017 in Columbus. And it, it's it's a tough blow for this team, tough blow for the program, hard to swallow for fans, coaches, players. It's not easy, not easy. We are going to talk about it on today's show. Uh, we will have our Monday Rewind to kind of talk us through exactly what happened on the field, what we heard, and what it means. We will also have John McGonigal from the Center Daily Times, our favorite Monday guest. He's going to be coming on later in the show, kind of give us a reaction from State College and what the scene was like and what what things were like afterward. A pretty sour mood for the Nittany Lions after that one. And what James Franklin was like. James Franklin, interesting post game for him uh, in terms of both he was uh, a little more maybe forthcoming or angry or frustrated than he usually is when he meets with the media and also he and a fan had a a small altercation or a little shouting match or something he, he interacted with a fan which you don't normally see from a big time college football coach walking off the field so uh, we'll get to that later, but we're going to start with our Monday Rewind today. And it starts with what we saw. And what we saw was the second straight year of Penn State outplaying Ohio State for the majority of a football game and then losing by one point. Penn State pretty much outplayed Ohio State for this one for 52 minutes. You can look at it almost exactly because with eight minutes left, Ohio State got the ball back and things were never the same. Um, Penn State's defense was phenomenal for 52 minutes it was they outplayed any expectation like whatever you thought Penn State's defense could do or couldn't do in this game they were so good at disrupting Dwayne Haskins not letting Ohio State get in in a rhythm on offense flushing out of the pocket getting some hits on their quarterback they had a huge reception in the first half man it was they were they were they were great and then Penn State failed to capitalize in the first half with that defense that was shutting Ohio State out for most of most of the first two quarters, uh, Penn State just couldn't get a big touchdown. They they had a couple great drives, 
and they just weren't able to. They had a huge, a couple huge plays. Their their first drive they looked so good. McSorley completed both his first two passes, and then that kind of stalled. You had a drive where Jawan Johnson makes the catch of the year, maybe in college football, and that's going to get lost in this game, which is unfortunate because it was amazing. His one handed grab, but they don't get they. You know, you end up with three points total out of three or four very good drives, and that's very frustrating. So KJ Hamler and then the huge spark to put him up 13-0. But the first half could have gone so much better. It was 13-0 Penn State when it probably could have been 16-0 or 20-0. And then they even get the ball back up 13-0 with a chance to make it better. Miles Sanders fumbles, 13-7 Ohio State. And then you're a little worried that things are going to change once they come out of halftime. Ohio State scores right away. And you're thinking, oh man, this might turn into a Buckeye second half and Penn State might have, you know, they, they blew it in the first half and I, I, they got no chance now. Ohio State's more talented. They have a great offense. They're going to pull away. But that didn't happen. Ohio Penn State's defense stepped up again after that first touchdown, had a couple great series, and then Penn State made some, had great drives led by Trace McSorley. Freshman tight end Pat Fryermuth made a great catch. McSorley marched them down the field again, scored another touchdown, should have been the knockout punch with eight minutes left. Almost was. Couldn't get a two-point conversion. And then even with eight minutes left, there was still that... Because it was a weird score like it was last year. Like There was that doubt in the back of your mind. It's like, oh, okay, look, if Ohio State scores here, they're down by five. Oh, that's not good. That was like kind of how it was last year. Like You didn't have that safety net of being up 28-14, and even if they get two touchdowns, just a tie game. But this was, if they get two touchdowns, they win, and that's exactly what happened. Penn State's defense just couldn't tackle anymore. Penn State they gave up huge chunks of yardage. The offense couldn't get it done when it needed to. And then you thought, here's another similarity. This game had a ton of them to the 2017 game, but one the thing that was different was last year they got the ball back down by one with the chance, but their fourth down that came up in that drive near midfield was like a fourth and thirteen. And it really had no chance. This time they have a fourth and five. They call three timeouts. Well, they call two timeouts. Ohio State calls one. And they end up handing it off to Miles Sanders, who has no chance to do anything. And it will be a heavily scrutinized play call by Ricky Ronnie, James Franklin. Chase McSorley said that he was okay with it and he understood what he saw, what Ronnie saw, and he saw the same thing. But to take the ball out of Trace McSorley's hands, who has been in that position dozens of times in his career, has made huge fourth down conversions against Iowa last year in a game-winning drive, against Appalachian State this year on a game-tying drive. To take it out of his hands there, you have to question that decision, and it will be heavily scrutinized this week and for weeks to come. And it, and it, and it should be. And you, Who knows? You know, Maybe they pass the ball. Maybe they get a first down there, but then maybe he gets sacked and, and it just doesn't work out. Or maybe they miss a field goal. Who knows? But, man, to take it out of Trace McSorley's hands there is it's, it is so disheartening. And it was just it's such a tough way to lose that game. And it's, it, it makes you scratch your head and makes you your, – your head hurts and your heart can hurt for this game because it's the way it ended was so tough. All right, so what we heard – uh, we'll get we'll get back to the play call later in the show. I do want to talk about it a lot, but I did want to play this clip from James Franklin's press conference because this is kind of exactly what I talked about in this segment last week. 
about how a win in this game could take Penn State from being a very good team on the national stage to in that premier elite upper echelon of the Big Ten, whatever you want to call it, with Ohio State. Ohio State has been the cream of the crop in the Big Ten for two decades. Penn State is playing close to them. They are recruiting close to them. They can get there, but they weren't able to on Saturday night, and James Franklin talked about that. We are going to find a way to get from being a great program, which we are, just so everybody's crystal clear, we're a great program. We lost to an elite program, and we're that close. We have gotten comfortable being great. We will no longer be comfortable being great. We're going to learn from this, we're going to grow from this, and we're going to find a way to take that next step as a program because we've been knocking at the door long enough. And it's my job as the head coach. I'm ultimately responsible for all of it. And I will find a way, we will find a way, and with all the support of everybody in this community and everybody on this campus and the Letterman and everybody else, we are going to get this done. I give you my word. We are going to find a way to take the next step. I can read off all these stats, but the stats don't matter. The stats don't matter. We're done being great. So what this means, it it means what James Franklin said. Pensy is not there yet. You cannot have losses like this if you are going to be an elite national championship contender national champion contender every season. And they basically have this same loss now in back-to-back seasons, and it is going to cost them a Big Ten title. It's going to cost them college football playoff trips, possibly. And it, it, it just it hurts so much because a lot would need to go right for this team to be on this stage again this season. Penn State has a handful of very big games against big-name opponents who are going to be ranked but there's not going to be this game against Ohio State. You get that once a year if you're Penn State. And even if you are the two best teams in the Big Ten, you need to beat them. You need to win that game, at least one of these, because these these games, you only get that chance once. You can, Penn State can run the table and end up in the Rose Bowl or the Sugar Bowl or something, which is great, but it's not going to have a chance to prove itself like it did on Saturday night. And the best chance of the season simply slipped right through Penn State's hands and it's going to sting for a long time. All right. So that is our Monday rewind, a depressing Monday rewind. I apologize, but it was a, it was a tough long Saturday night. Uh, we are going to get into it with John McGonigal from the center daily times. He's going to be joining us right after a quick break here on locked on Nittany lines. If you're looking for tickets to a Penn State game, any sporting contest, or any concert, I highly recommend checking out Vivid Seats. With Vivid Seats, you can attend the concert, show, or sporting event of your choice at a great price. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section or row of your choice. To make things even better, Vivid Seats is giving Locked On Nittany Lions listeners an exclusive promo code for new customers to receive $20 off orders of $200 or more. So go to the App Store or Google Play, download the Vivid Seats app, and then use the promo code LOCKEDON, that's L-O-C-K-E-D-O-N, and get $20 off orders of $200 or more 
as a first-time user. Every purchase on Vivid Seats is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app, enter the promo code Locked On, and get $20 off your first order of $200 or more as a new customer. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let Vivid Seats help you get to your favorite live event. All right, I'm happy to be joined now by John McGonigal of the Center Daily Times. John was on hand Saturday night and was up close on the field for the final few minutes of that game. John, it's, it's almost like deja vu with, with these games, but this one seemed to, to sting a little bit more than usual. What was the scene like on Saturday night? Well, I think, uh, thank you for you know, having me, Piano. I appreciate mm-hmm. it. Uh, I think the reason why it might have stung so much was because it was at home. You, you think about yeah. now Penn State's last four losses have come, you know, a total of eight points, and they led in the fourth quarter in all four of those losses. But you know you had the you had the thrilling kind of game out at the Rose Bowl. That's however many miles away in California. Mm-hmm. You and a game that doesn't you know the season's over exactly. win or lose. Exactly, it doesn't have college football playoff implications. Um, last year it's at Ohio State, and then followed up at Michigan State. So you, you mm-hmm. had the whiteout crowd, and you had Trace McSorley go for 461 total yards, uh, which is a Penn State record. And he had 175 rushing yards, which is a record for a Penn State quarterback that was, you know, that had stood since 1933. So you had an incredible performance by your fifth-year senior quarterback. You had an incredible crowd at your back, mm-hmm. and you, and and the defense outperformed what anyone expected them to exactly. for 52 minutes. Everyone was kind of expecting a lull at, in the first half, you know, considering what, what happened at Pitt, what happened at Illinois, and that didn't happen un- until, you know, at the very end, they just forgot how to tackle in open space. I mean, John Reed and that secondary, man, that was bad. Like, mm-hmm. Wayne Haskins was 11 of 12 for 157 yards and two touchdowns on screen passes. <laughs> Outside of that, like – you know, everyone wants to praise Haskins for being this Heisman caliber quarterback. I mean, he didn't look like that on Saturday no. night. He, but, he didn't throw the ball downfield much at all and no. didn't have success. Yeah, It was just the, the screens tore up Penn State. Uh, the defense didn't adjust. And, uh, yeah, man, if you can't tackle in space and, and you have the play call like you do on, on fourth mm-hmm. and five and take it away from your – Look, Trace McSorley is your Michael Jordan. He's your LeBron James. He should be taking the last shot. You ha- like after the game that he had to, to take the ball out of his hand is just uh, it's stunning. So yeah, the game. I mean, and the career and the track record. Like he did this against Iowa multiple times last year. You even look against App State. Yeah, there was a fourth down where they needed a completion. It was like I think it was a fourth and five or fourth and six, and they let him throw the ball to to Brandon. Ball. Yeah, yeah, and yeah, like. It, He's done it before. It's worked. Like I, it, it's very confusing. It's and and it, it wasn't even just the history part of it. it. It's the fact that he was running through Ohio State linemen and second and linebackers all night. I mean, there was at one point it was right before Miles Sanders had had a had a touchdown run or a short touchdown run. You know, Trey said had pulled ten, you know three guys you know almost mm-hmm. into the end zone. I mean he. He was running through guys. He, he was saying, get the hell out of my way. 
pretty much all night and you need five yards. And it, it was, it was Ricky Ronnie trying to be too cute. He was trying to outmaneuver, you know, cleverly outmaneuver, outthink, mm-hmm. you know, Ohio's, you know, Graciano and Ohio state staff. And, you know, it wasn't, that, it wasn't just then either the, the Tommy Stevens package killed Penn state's momentum in the, in the first few drives. And even the two-point conversion attempt, which I agree with going for the two-point conversion at the time, mm-hmm. when you're up 26 to, to 14. Oh, yeah. but, but a jet sweep with Mac Hippenhammer, I mean, you, yeah. you need two yards. Like, Trace would be right. getting 7-8 a pop all night. Like, yeah, so I, I, there are just so much, you know, so many questions coming out of those final eight minutes of the game. Yeah. Uh, what did they say? I know Trace addressed the play and said he – agreed with what Ronnie saw at least that's what he said publicly right uh i know franklin said he needs to put more responsibility of it ricky ronnie didn't talk after the game is that right yeah that's correct so yeah after, after games we don't get any uh assistant coaches and okay we haven't uh so every thursday we get a conference call with assistant coaches we haven't had ronnie yet um and we probably won't have him until closer to the end of the season most likely but yeah so yeah yeah, I mean, Trace at the time was like, hey, you know, um, I, you know, Coach Ronnie had a look. He, he had a read, and I agreed with that. And, um, but it, it's just weird that, you know, you call timeout to call up this play. Ohio, St- Ohio State calls timeout to change their yeah. defensive look. And then Penn State calls timeout <laughs> because James Franklin said that. Ohio State changed their look, and we saw that, so we wanted to call timeout, but they stuck with the original play call. Yeah. So <laughs> what is the point of calling the second timeout? Yeah, that you – know, like, I, I get – look, in retrospect, you, you know, you, <laughs> I was sitting there, I'm like, after the, after the fact, you're like, oh, well, they shouldn't – Penn State shouldn't have called timeout at all because then if you don't get it, you have three timeouts. You can try and you know, use those three, get the ball back, and you know, stop them. But, you know, I understand calling the first timeout to, to, to get your play call on fourth and five. When you need it. Oh, yeah. I mean, they but were call, how much time? Was like a minute 20? Yeah. yeah. But to call the second time out and not change the call, like after you saw something different. So it's, yeah. I mean, James took a lot of heat on, on himself. He put a lot of it on himself in the post game press conference saying that Penn State's a great team, not an elite team. Right. The little things. And he started mentioning like two or three guys, like having to babysit them going to class and, and not taking or you know players being told to take notes in meeting rooms and not doing them on their own like i'm sorry like look th- those little things help but that it's it's not it's it's not a point against ohio state it's it's right. tackling it's it's you know not making the play call that you made you know it's guys going to a 200 level communications class on a tuesday morning isn't going to change what happened you know, or wouldn't have changed what happened on Saturday night. Yeah. So, so yeah, to make those points is a little weird in my my opinion, but yeah, I think he was, he seemed like he was all over the place. I mean, what, what was James Franklin like in that press conference room? Cause it seemed like he was, I I guess pissed off or I I don't know. He doesn't usually, he usually is a very composed, he's aware person of what he, like how he is being perceived, but he also, he, he had the press conference where he had a little more edge than usual, and he also had a little altercation with a fan. I know you got to see that. Yeah, so so we'll start with on, on the field. I had kind of just like, uh, you know, the clock hit zero. I was just watching James the entire time just to kind of mm-hmm. 
you know, uh, to set a scene for, for the story I wrote afterwards. And, and, you know, he basically had his arms crossed, didn't say a word, eyes watering the entire time, just kind of just looking around and, and, uh, and walking around, not saying anything to anyone. And he's walking into the tunnel and a Penn State fan, a student, a Nittanyville student had yelled to him like, hey, I love you, coach, but that was a bad play call. And Franklin's like, oh, I appreciate your input. And then the student says it again, basically. And then James looked like he was going to like go after him or not, you know, go confront him. Uh, and, and he's standing mm -hmm. like 10, 15 feet away from the kid. And his chief of staff has to kind of like rein him in a bit and say, hey, like, let's let, let, let's keep walking forward here. Let's let's go into the tunnel. So really weird situation there. Yeah. And then in, in the press conference. Yeah, like like you said, he's he's always composed. He's normally mm -hmm. very, you know, very precise in what he says. He says things for a reason. He spins things the way that he wants to. And and for right. you know the the amount of recruits that are above, if you know, for those who don't know, in the media room at Beaver Stadium, you know, you have all the seats where the media sit, and and James Franklin sitting there at, at a at a dais, and above hand, you know, above. There's like a second tier, and that's where all the recruits should stand over the railing and watch the press conferences. Right. So with all those high-level recruits in the room, he goes ahead and, and admits in this in this tangent that Penn State is not an elite team, and they lost to an elite team, and so that was just a little weird. But you know, mm -hmm. he, he goes on this yeah he goes on this long thing about how they have to correct the little things and how they have to, you know, I, look. I just I just kind of feel for Trace McSorley because this kid. I talked to him in April in a sit-down interview, and, and he was telling me, I, I asked him, I'm like, what have you, this is in April, I'm like, how have you reflected on the 2017 season? And he's like, look, we were five points away from making it to the college football playoff, and it's those little things that we need to take care of that will get us there. Mm -hmm. Well, he's doing his part, and clearly, you know, the, the yeah. Penn State secondary and their tackling issues, the coaching staff and their play calling didn't do their job on Saturday night. Yeah. When it mattered, when it mattered the most, it's yeah. All right, we are with John McGonigal. We have to step away for a quick break, but uh, we'll keep talking Penn State, Ohio State when we get back. All right, we're back here on Locked On Nittany Lions. I am still joined by John McGonigal from the Center Daily Times. We're digesting, analyzing other words about Penn State, Unpack. Ohio State, unpacking. 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 Yeah. <laughs> when do you pack something? Well, I don't even know what that would mean. You would just put the memory away, not talk about something, I guess? I guess, yeah. Just just bury it deep in your soul and try and forget about it. Well, here's that's a perfect transition. <laughs> Earlier we were talking about <laughs> Penn State's last four losses, which I think many Penn State fans have packed away because they've all been just brutally tough losses. Yeah. Uh, going back to the Rose Bowl at Ohio State last year, at Michigan State last year, and then on Saturday against Ohio State. Which one... As far as like ones that you think are the toughest that like had had the toughest hit on the program, or the toughest to swallow. Which of those four games you think is is the worst one? Uh, not to invoke like recency bias here, but I, I gotta say Saturday night. Mm -hmm. I gotta say what, what happened. You know, at Beaver Stadium. It, the, the Rose Bowl was – look, they weren't expected to make it to that game. Right. They started in 2016, 2-2. Two and two. They got blown out at Michigan 49-10. to 10. For them to win the Big Ten title and even put themselves in that conversation in, in that game in the first place was incredible, and it was a fun game. 
Right. Last year, you know, you give up a two touchdown lead in the fourth quarter at Ohio State, but at least you're on the road. Mm-hmm. At least you can, and, and you lost Ryan Buckholtz in that game. And so your pass rush wasn't the same. At least you can pin it on that. And then the Michigan State, you can pin it on them not recovering from the Ohio State game, whatever. And there was a six hour rain delay. Yeah. And there, yeah, yeah. It was, there weird. Was, it was a weird game. It was an odd, odd game. But Saturday night, man, you had them. Right. You, you had them. You, you, you scored with eight minutes to go. You're up by two touchdowns. And then you just forget to tackle. And then, and then you, you know, even, even the second to last drive, you have a fourth and fourth and reasonable on the 37 and you punt. I mean, mm-hmm. if you go for it and get that there, the, the game is basically over. I mean, there were just so many blown opportunities in that, in the last eight minutes. And you could tell James Franklin felt it. He knew it. The players knew it too. They, I mean, they're, they're sick of falling short too. Like Penn State fans are, are sick of seeing this. I mean, they're a fun team. They've been a fun team over the last two and a half years. Mm-hmm. They've, won, they've won a lot of games. But in those four games that we mentioned, they've fallen short. And James Franklin recognizes that. And he doesn't want to see it happen again. But, you know, we'll, we'll kind of see how they how they bounce back Michigan State. But th- th- this game hurts, man. This game hurts for the players, for the coaches, for the fans especially. Yeah, yeah. I'm with you, John. It's, uh, it's a tough one. I, I agree with that standpoint, too. I think – the Ohio State are the two toughest losses because yep. Penn State realistically has outplayed Ohio State two straight times for you know maybe a combined eighty minutes in those one hundred and twenty minutes, maybe more, maybe a hundred yep. out of those one hundred and twenty minutes, and they have nothing to show for it. And Ohio State is still the cream of the crop in the Big Ten, likely to go to the playoff, likely to win another Big Ten title because Penn State can't close out games, and that's that's unfortunate. Well, that's the thing. So in the post-game press conference, James, James was saying that, hey, it's a little details. It's the little things that, you know, we're great, not elite. Uh, that's one point last year and, and, and worth one point this year. But, you know, if, if John Reed tackles K.J. Hill on that screen, if they don't let the, what was it, the 45-yard, like yeah. guy just, Victor weaved through, like, seen five guys getting in the if you make one tackle, if you you know it's just one one decision, like then then you're then then what's the mood when you're coming to the press conference? Or is Penn State an elite team because they beat Ohio? State? Like they've outplayed them. To say that Penn State's great and not elite, like I think you need to define what elite is. Mm-hmm. I mean, is it just Alabama, uh, but like is is it Alabama and Ohio? But Penn State has outplayed, like you said, Ohio State for the better part of the past two years and has nothing to show for it. And it, it just, uh, it, it's baffling. It really is. It is. All right. Well, we've been, I've been pretty, you know, Debbie down here all show. There, <laughs> some good, up, but... there were some good things that happened. The defense oh, yeah. is better than you thought. Pat Fryermuth caught a touchdown. KJ Hamler's re- Also, do you got to, do you know anything about Hamler's health? Was it a concussion? Is that what, what happened with him? Uh, so James wasn't asked about it uh, after the game. Uh, we I don't believe we have a press conference with him this week okay. because of the bye week, but we do have the Big Ten uh, coaches call, so okay. he'll be asked, he'll be asked about it there. All right. uh, in that setting, uh, with, with him talking about how everything else, it seemed like right, uh, you know, uh, lesser news. But 
but no, uh, there, there, he was he was tweeting on today on Sunday. So was he okay? And he, yeah, yeah, he called out some fans. He said, "Y'all love us when we are uh, doing good, and then hate us when we mess up." I it did ain't see real. That. It's football. It happens. Hey, good point, KJ. It is football. It does happen. It, it does. It does. And and KJ had himself a great game too. Uh, you look oh, at amazing. I mean, look. <laughs> I think he might – I don't think it's that hot of a take to say that he might be the fastest guy to ever play at Beaver Stadium because, like, that breakaway speed mm-hmm. was just absurd. Like, are you kidding me? I mean, the 93-yard touchdown catch and, and, and the catch that he made before getting hit and taken out of the oh. game was an incredible catch. So, KJ's out there making plays. Mentioned before, the defense, they were swarming, man. I mean, like, Cam Brown – and Sharif Miller, mm-hmm. they were, you know, Kevin Givens, they were blowing things up. They Like, Dwayne Haskins was thoroughly shook. Yeah. Thoroughly, thoroughly shook and rattled in that first half. And it was because Brent Prize, you know, he was pushing the right buttons on the blitzes. Once they got the screens going, it, it really negated that. But the defense was firing all, on all cylinders and really, really surprised me. Uh, I've been on the Pat Fryermuth train now for a few weeks. Uh and and that's paying off. That that kid had all but solidified his starting spot mm-hmm. on Saturday night with three catches, uh, including a one-handed touchdown catch in the fourth quarter and a 27-yard catch mm-hmm. to get that final drive going. Yeah. So, some positives for Penn State to take out of yeah. uh, rushing another one point. Yes. Well, hey, you can take those into the bye week. Take them into Tuesday with you. That's all the time we have with John McGonigal today. Johnny, thank you as always. Enjoy the bye week. Get some get some sleep, some rest. Awesome. Thanks, man. All right. That is all the time we have on today's Locked On Nittany Lions. Thank you so much for listening. I know it was a tough game. It might be a tough week, long week, or long 12 days where Penn State is back on the football field, but we're going to keep talking about talk things through. We'll get into more positive spin on things, a future outlook for Penn State, talk about their college football playoff chances, Big Ten chances. Uh, we'll, we'll try to put the Ohio State game in more context moving forward during the bye week. So we'll be back on Tuesday with another new show. Please subscribe to us. You can find us on iTunes, on Stitcher, on Google Podcasts, wherever you get your podcast for a fresh Penn State podcast every weekday. Thank you so much for listening. I will talk to you on Tuesday.